Political opinions left uncontested are a recipe for disaster. No one wants to hear you spout off about your own political opinion, especially without anyone knowledgeable or someone with a counterpoint by you that can actually drive the conversation. And that, in a lot of ways, is what season one turned into. Only because I decided to start it in the year 2020. I had extra time to finally do something that I had always wanted to do, but had one excuse or another not to do it, and that was to podcast. And I started during those two weeks that we got let out of school, and everybody thought it was going to be a quick turnaround. Everybody thought the coronavirus was just going to die off like every other disease scare that we've seen up to that point. Ebola, dot, 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 so on and so forth. I mean, we knew that eventually something was going to come, right? It feels once every hundred years it happens. So we were due for the next bubonic plague. It didn't happen that way. And I think a lot of people expected it to last just a short time and then we'd be back in school and everything would just be hunky-dory. But the fact of the matter is, going back to what I said to start this show, spouting off about my own political opinions in a world where that was the only thing that was going on, there were no sports, it, it became distasteful and it became something that I just simply did not enjoy doing. And there's a reason why when I first decided to get into this industry, I said I want to do sports and not news. There is a very specific reason as to why I made that decision and why a lot of experts in the realm of sports made that decision. And it's very simple. It's because sports are a uniter. And politics, in a lot of ways, are a divider. Now, I will talk about it if it's a knowledgeable conversation and if it comes up in conversation between me and somebody else and it's relevant information. I'm perfectly okay with that. I've never said that I'm not. But where I draw the line is when I didn't have studio time, where I didn't have a recording space, and where I had to fit my show into a shorter window and didn't really have the ability to coordinate interviews the same way that I did before I landed my job up in Traverse City last summer, which, by the way, hats off to Traverse City, hats off to the Northwoods League for making that season happen. But I didn't have the same resources to organize a good podcast the way that I wanted it to. And let's face it, the thing that I love more than anything else, sports, weren't around. So I had to do something that was very uncomfortable and have some uncomfortable conversations, and I'm okay with that. But when it got to the end and I started lecturing people on my own political opinions, that's when stuff went sideways. That's when people begin to tune you out. I began this show with 200 listeners. Beyond that point, it was about 80 consistently for the rest of my episodes. I don't care. I'll do this for three listeners. I enjoy doing what I do. But when I began to start spouting my own political opinions at the very end, my audience was free-falling. Just in a general sense, when you look back at 2020, I mean, just consider how many people lost friends. Consider how many people lost close relatives. And I'm not talking about due to the coronavirus. I mean, half a million people died. I'm talking about due to uh, their social media presence. 
um, because they bought hook, line, and sinker into exactly what the algorithm wants them to see and wants them to think and wants them to react. So many people that are so stuck in their own ways and what they believe and not willing to change or be patient in trying to hear other people out that they just began blocking people left and right. And that type of behavior wasn't only just happening, it was promoted. I understand they made blocking for a purpose, but we saw the cesspool that social media is in the year 2020 because people started using that medium not as a means of bringing together, but rather as a means of dividing. That's why I say... If you ever have a political opinion and you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. This isn't North Korea. We don't force people to cry in the streets because we need them to conform to one political idea. It's okay to just shut up. It really is. And I think that needs to become more acceptable. Just shut your mouth if you don't have anything good or productive or nice to say. You can believe what you want to believe. You can believe what you want to believe. You can still be a knowledgeable human being and at the same time realize that burning bridges is not a smart idea and that it's okay to just shut up. It's season two, episode one of the Hanging with Wank podcast. Welcome back in, everybody. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to have the microphone back in front of my face. I'm happy to bring you some of the personalities we're going to have on this show here in Season 2. Because there are a lot of people that wanted to get involved in Season 1, but that kind of got derailed. Well, now we're back. And now we have the chance to bring you some of the best stories, life advice, sports from around the world. We talk everything here on the Hanging with Wayne podcast, and that's how I like it. But coming up here on Season 2, Episode 1, um, our analyst on nothing, but he has a lot of opinions. Uh, Alexander Fortier joins us to talk about some of the top sports stories in the world today. We're talking about Shikari Richardson and how she tested positive for cannabis and a lot of the hypocrisy surrounding the Olympic Committee's decision to not let her run in the 100-meter event in the Olympics. Really? Cannabis? Out of all the things to ban someone for, apparently weed is still on the list, according to the Olympic Committee, which is probably run by a lot of baby boomers. But that's a side note. We'll also talk about the new agreement in the NCAA that is now allowing students to be paid for their image and likeness. I'm happy about it, but I'm also petrified. I'm proud that student-athletes are finally getting the money that they deserve but I'm also horrified because I realize that money does one thing and it corrupts every single time. Also coming up, we'll have two different episodes every single week. So we'll have top sports talk from around the country and around the world. And then we will have a personal interview, a one-on-one interview, kind of the same way we did hanging with Wang the first time around, only this time we're doubling down every week. So it's two hours in your ear every week on the hanging with Wang podcast. But Alexander Fortier coming up next. Next week, our one on one interview will be with Zach Canaliche. He's a writer at Fansided. Boston Celtics fan, hilarious. Yankees fan, more hilarious. We'll talk about all that. 
We'll also talk about some of the stuff he's undergone in his personal life, some pretty heavy topics that would otherwise be really hard to discuss, but that's why I made this podcast, and it's stuff that you can learn from as well. Segment one, coming up next. This episode and every episode of the Hanging with Wang podcast is brought to you by Frank's Market. Serving the west side of Grand Rapids, only the finest choice to prime meats since 1933. Frank's Market prides themselves on how they treat their customers and the service that they provide to the community. If you're really looking for the best meat in town, there's no other place to go. Located at 1021 West Fulton Street, Frank's Market, a west side staple since 1933. When I was in high school... I did the typical high schooler thing and I made a bunch of stupid mistakes because I was 18 years old, younger than 18 years old, obviously through the first three years of high school, and I made dumb decisions like every single other young kid in the history of the world. One such dumb decision was done on the 4th of July, my senior year summer, up at my cottage. I'm sitting in the bedroom. It's me. It's my cousin, uh, I won't say names. Uh, and all of a sudden, it felt like a skunk had sprayed the room. It, it, it smelled strong. And I remember leaning over and looking, and they introduced me to what it was. They said, listen, um, this is marijuana. You can smell it. We're not going to peer pressure you. By the way, if anybody tells you they're not going to peer pressure you up front, I'm pretty sure that's a strategy of peer pressuring somebody. Like, hey, you can trust me, only not to trust me because I'm going to let you down. (laughs) And so that's what I did because I was curious, and I went to go sit with them, and I ended up doing what I shouldn't have done. It was a stupid decision, but I ended up doing it. I took a couple of hits, and the walk back to the cabin, which was a solid 20 yards away, um, felt as if it took two days. The fireworks were outstanding. Uh, it, it, it was, it was, I felt like I was walking on clouds at that moment. And fast forward a couple of weeks to when my parents found out, hell hath no fury, like a couple of suburban parents figuring out that their kids smoked marijuana back before it became cool to smoke marijuana, even for adults. They were talking about random piss tests and militarizing the house and making sure that if I came home and my eyes looked a little glossy, they were going to whip out that $12 cup from Meyer and tell me to go in the bathroom, I guess. It was petrifying. Back then it was illegal. It was decriminalized in some areas, legal in others. I got in a little bit of trouble. A lot of people judged me. A lot of people looked down on me. Family members... You know, it was kind of like this, oh, Nate was supposed to be something special with this broadcasting thing, and now he's back home going to GRCC because he made a decision to do something along those lines. And then fast forward six years later, not a whole lot going on, want to see my dog, walk in, go in the fridge, and there's a gold package sitting in the middle of the fridge, and I pick it up, and it says premium THC gummies. Huh. Okay. Well, my sister works at a dispensary. I don't know what my parents think about it at the time so I figure she just left them in the fridge and she should probably take care of this before they find out and then all of a sudden it's this whole situation and so anyway we're eating dinner later on that night and the topic comes up and my parents start talking about just how much the gummies have worked for them and I go hold on hold on 
way I go, wait a minute. Everybody, just freaking wait a minute. You guys took those gummies? You guys put THC in your body voluntarily? I thought you guys were going to hang me from the highway overpass when you found out that I had a joint wrapped in a fishing license in Grand Haven that one time when I was 18 years old. I had never done anything before my senior year, but what in the world? And everybody else that was like, oh, you know, looking down on those who smoked six years ago when we were in high school, all of a sudden they're using like every day now. (laughs) It's become cool. The gummies, the vapes. The bud, if that's the direction that you go, it's really become acceptable in society. By the way, we're talking about Shikari Richardson, American track and field sprinter, competed in the 100 meters and 200 meters. She really rose to fame in 2019, freshman at LSU. Uh, She ran 10.75 seconds, broke the 100-meter record at the National Collegiate Athletic Association Championships, but one of the 10... Fastest women in history, 19 years old, qualified for the Olympics in the 100-meter competition, and then tested positive for cannabis. I laugh every time I see that headline because it's just so odd. Tested positive for cannabis. Not anabolic steroids, not things that make you bigger and faster and stronger, no. She tested positive for the reefer madness. Reefer madness. Like, give me a break. Here's a list of leagues that don't test for marijuana and others that are relaxed. The NBA stopped random testing and suspensions. The MLB will be taking marijuana off of its banned substance list. The NHL doesn't test. The NFL testing date happens once a year. And everyone knows, and I'm pretty sure they've taken away suspensions if someone is found positive. It's just a minor fine. It's a pocket fee. They probably pull the money right out of their pocket and pay for it right then and there. In D1 Athletics, they make the test so easy. By the way, this comes from people that I know that have played at the Division I level, not my own opinion or what I've read or what I've seen on social media. But from their mouths straight to this podcast, they make it so easy to cheat but it blows my mind because they still catch people every single year. Marijuana, in a lot of ways, is so socially acceptable, it's legal in 18 states. Now, my own thoughts on the drug itself, listen, I don't think it's healthy for you, right? I disagree with those people who are like, it's the be-all, end-all, it, it helps you, whatever, it you know helps you live a better life. I, I don't know about that. It is still a drug that can be abused. But to suggest that somehow it is worthy of suspending someone or worthy of kicking them out of the opportunity for a lifetime, is, um, it's, it's beyond me. But, but here's the ruling. According to the U.S. doping agency, for something to be added to the prohibited list, and this blows my mind, it must meet two of the three inclusion criteria. One, it poses a health risk to athletes. Okay, maybe. We've figured out a lot over the last 10 years that it actually doesn't do nearly as much to ruin someone's health as originally thought at all. 
Two, it has the potential to enhance performance. I don't know about that one. It can certainly relax somebody. It can certainly increase pain tolerance, which could help out in athletic performance, but I don't know how much that's true. And C, or three, I should say, it violates the spirit of the sport. Once again, give me a break. I don't know how that's criteria. Your objective opinion of what violates the spirit of the sport and athletes in 2021's idea of what violates the spirit of the sport, and especially when you have that big of an age difference between the people that run the sport now and the people that are actually participating in the sport who didn't have to go through a lot of what the older generation saw when it came to marijuana growing up, that's going to create a problem. And so I know three is not the case. It doesn't violate the spirit of the sport. I also don't agree with number one that it poses a health risk to the athletes. There's a reason why 18 states have legalized it, and it's not simply because of the amount of money that they'll make. It's not. There is a lot of money to be made, don't get me wrong, but it's not. There is no way that 18 states sit down and decide that this is okay to legalize if it does pose a health risk. WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, believes it violates two of the three. And it is, quote, frequently used in society outside of the context of sport. Right, just like everything else you do in life is outside of the context of sport. I go to the bathroom, that's outside of the context of sport, right? I mean, at li literally everything you do not related to a sport or preparing for a sport is outside of the context of sport. So that just that, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. And that sounds like a load of BS and it sounds like excuses that are being made as to why Shikari Richardson won't be allowed to compete in the Olympics. Um, you know, our country wasted millions of dollars in the war on drugs, killed a lot of people, burnt millions of acres worth of marijuana in Mexico, and, and just the amount of money that was poured into it and the economic situation that we put ourselves in during the war on drugs, it, it doesn't make any sense now looking back on it. Listen, I understand it's still a drug. I understand that it can still be abused by people and that it is still is abused by people. It's abused frequently. I would say with legalization, in some ways probably abused more now than it ever has before. But we have been researching and reviewing and figuring out just how bad marijuana has been for us, especially over the last decade. And it's proven to not be that dangerous, really, at all. And to suggest that somehow that it boosts someone's athletic performance, I think is not only misleading, I just I think it's straight up hooey, baloney, whatever word you want to use, whatever word you want to drop in there that you feel is fair. To not allow someone like Shikari Richardson the opportunity of a, of a lifetime to compete at the Olympic level because of marijuana. I think LaMelo Ball put this perfectly. If it ain't crack, let her run track, right? <laughs> like, if it ain't crack, let her run track.
it's not taking steroids. If anything, I mean, a bang energy is probably going to give me more of an edge doing anything athletically than a, any sort of marijuana will. You ever drank a bang energy? It makes me want to swerve into oncoming traffic. Like, you just get this, like, jolt about you and you're ready to just take over the world. I mean, energy drinks, there are so many other things that can give you an edge athletically, including some of the hardcore heavy steroids that, I don't know, countries like Russia have been pumping into their athletes. I mean, come on. Come on. This is just another example of, I'm going to say it, the older generation running a sport that controls these athletes that don't understand what society is like nowadays and doesn't understand what this generation is for and what this generation is against. I don't. I, you should have seen the comments when they posted that she wasn't going to be allowed to run in the Olympics. Everybody in that comment section was like, really, because of weed? Every single 20-some-year-old out there was like, Really? What? If anything, marijuana hurts your athletic performance. Delays your reaction speed. To a lesser extent than cigarettes, it can hurt your lungs. It's still carbon dioxide because you're still burning something with a flame. There's still combustion, which means there's still going to be a tar value. Again, not as bad as cigarettes, but... To, to suggest that somehow marijuana is something that could help or boost an athlete's performance is beyond me. It really is beyond me. And that's why I think the story about Shikari Richardson is really sad. I mean, what do you think at home? When I read off these three, it poses a health risk. It has the potential to enhance performance. It violates the spirit of the sport. Those are the most vague laws I have ever seen. And so when you send it to a council and they have to decide what substance they're going to put on that list of banned substances and they look at these three, how does, how does marijuana immediately come to your mind? Health risk, not really. Potential to enhance performance, eh. Violates the spirit of the sport, what? The spirit of the sport? D define that for me. Sir, in the, in the, in the suit, yes, you, the, the baby boomer. Tell me what defines the spirit of the sport. I mean, what, what, what does that even mean? Sir in the suit, please tell me, how does marijuana have the potential to enhance performance other than relaxing you a little bit and potentially increasing pain tolerance, which I don't even know if that's true. What sort of health risk does it pose to athletes? And I think there are a lot of professional athletes that agree with this. A lot of professional athletes have reached out and said that this is not right. And that as a society, we've been moving in the direction of getting over this stigma that surrounds marijuana. But apparently the Olympic Committee isn't on board with that whole idea. Apparently the use of a drug that is legal in 18 states in America is worthy of completely ending the dreams of an Olympic athlete. I mean, think about that. Now, did she violate the rules? Yeah, she violated the rules. She probably had some sort of understanding that you can't use marijuana and that they'll test you for it. Okay, fair enough. But it's time for this to change, and, and there's a lot of sports that need changing. I mean, that committee in the history of hypocrisy that has been 
some of the decisions that they've made, they need to change. Baseball needs to change. Boxing is currently undergoing change. But there's a real sort of <laughs> revolution on the way, if you will, not not like with, you know, guns and ammunition and bombs, but there's a younger generation of fans and decision makers in the world that see things differently than the way that that older generation did. And I wouldn't be surprised in the least if in the next 10 years, no league tests for marijuana anymore. It doesn't feel like there's any reason to do that. I read off the three different options to you so you at home can decide what exactly your definition of a banned substance is. If you feel as if that it violates two of those three, well, then good for you. Then you feel as if that this decision to not allow Shikari Richardson to run in the Olympics is justified. Fine. If that's the decision you come to, that's the decision you come to. But I'm here to tell you right now, that's not the decision that I think should have been made. And there are a lot of young people out there that probably this did not sit well with them. I think it's hypocritical. I mean, it... When they look at the drug, do they see the positive health effects it has for athletes to use post-working out? And then they go, well, we can't allow that? Do they look at some of the positive impacts that it has and goes, we can't allow that to happen? Now, there were a couple of other articles that came out, one from MSNBC that said Shikari Richardson's drug test suspension is the end result of racist policies. Maybe. Remember what we talked about to begin this show. I don't know if I want to go down that road. I'm willing to believe it, though, because it seems like everybody else in the world kind of looks at this decision and goes, really? Out of all the reasons to suspend an Olympic athlete, I mean, it, once in every four years, once in every four years, you have the opportunity to do something like this. And Shikari Richardson is, without a doubt, one of the most dominant runners in the 100-meter event in the country. She, she probably would have undoubtedly won the gold medal if she was involved in that event. But a lot of people don't know what to make of this. And the fact that it could be some scent of racism behind this, it's, it's possible I'm not here to confirm that or deny that, nor am I here to really speak on that because I'm not sure exactly I'm not sure exactly what going down that road will will look like um and I I think what's even more disheartening is the fact that you know there was a CNN piece that came out a little bit earlier um you know Joe Biden was interviewed on what exactly happened and he was really proud of the way that track star, track star Shikari Richardson responded following the positive drug test um and you know he said everybody knows the rules going in Yes, and, and I think for PR purposes, he has to say something like that because if he doesn't say something along those lines, then all of a sudden you have you have a storm of people who are going to twist that into every single possible story that they can. Oh, Joe Biden's a pothead, Joe Biden's this, Joe Biden's that. But I think the real reaction, and I think the reaction that is actually going to drive change is the reaction from the younger crowd that saw that decision being made. Everybody went, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So that story really just one one that is disheartening. It's 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 everything wrapped into one. We'll talk about more of that coming up next. By the way, 
Uh, Alexander Fortier set to join us here on the Hanging with Wang podcast. We'll talk about this story. Well, I mean, what do you think? Let me know in the comments. Let me know on social media. Let me know what you think of this story. It really is disheartening, and it really is it, it really is something that I think the Olympic Committee needs to re-examine exactly what their list of policies are. I mean, there were a group of people that decided, sat together, and decided to make this decision to not allow her to run in the event. There are levels to the hypocrisy in the Olympics. Coming up next on the Hanging with Wang podcast, we're going to talk about the NIL agreement. We're going to talk about the fact that college athletes are now allowed to be paid for their image and likeness. And what that means is that their social media presence is going to be amplified because now they have the opportunity to be sponsored. If you have a good following, that means that you have a good base and a good earning potential. And that means that companies can slap their logo right on your clothes and go, you are a walking advertisement for us now. And that's exactly what a lot of athletes are doing. Is it good for the sport? Is it bad for the sport? Sports Illustrated basically described the situation as a cluster. And who can blame them? I tweeted this out earlier in the week. I'm very excited to see athletes finally get the compensation that they're deserved. I'm finally getting the opportunity to see those banners from the Fab Five hung up in the Chrysler Center. I'm finally getting the opportunity to see Reggie Bush get his Heisman Trophy and get the praise that he deserved after being torn into for what he did at USC. I'm excited to see the fact that we don't have to do that under the table anymore, that athletes can be paid, and we don't have to be sneaky about it anymore. But... But money corrupts every time. And this policy will do one thing in particular more than anything else. It will create a divide between the haves and the have-nots that we have not seen in college athletics before. You have finally introduced money, contracts, and taxes into college students' lives in a different layer of responsibility that they've never had before without necessarily preparing them all that well or having a central structure in place. You did this, NCAA. So if this ends up going sideways, right? Nothing vast enters the life of mortals without a curse. If this ends up going sideways, it's on the NCAA. It's on you for not figuring out a better way of introducing this policy than what you just did. I'm not saying I'm not happy for athletes and that they're not getting the opportunity to make the money. And I'm also not saying I'm not excited for NCAA football or maybe NCAA baseball or whatever sport games that are coming back. Which, by the way, if no one gets on that, they're dumb. That that needs to be the first priority to get NCAA football back on the market because everybody wants it and everybody's been looking forward to it. But if this ends up going sideways, NCAA, it's on you. That'll be all for segment one. This is season two, episode one, the sports hour on the Hanging with Wayne podcast. Season two, episode one on the Hanging with Wayne podcast rolls along. Uh, joining us, I called him our analyst on no- our, our expert analyst on nothing earlier, but. Uh, he prefers to be called the big sports guy. I guess I'm a big sports guy, too. Uh, his name is Al Fortier, and he joins us via the Hanging with Wang hotline. Al, thanks for joining us. Uh, first episode back here on Season 2. Got a lot to talk about, but how have you been? Thanks for coming on. You know, it's been going great. I've been 
know, doing a lot of research into sports recently, you know, knowing that I'd be here, I'm glad that we got everything back. I'm just glad you're back. <laughs> you, you've been preparing your whole life for this moment. I get it. Um, so let's talk about this. I opened the show discussing this story in length because I think the level of hypocrisy coming from the Olympic Committee can't really be understated. And every time I see that headline that Shikari Richardson tested positive for cannabis, I have to laugh because of all the things in the world that an athlete can take to help improve their performance as you sip on your whiskey over there. By the way, that's not on the banned substance list. Neither is that vape you have. But um, (laughs) cannabis, out of all things, to ban someone from Olympic competition it surprises me that cannabis is one of them. Now, I know you're not a user, um, so you have a different sort of perspective on this than someone who maybe does use to some extent. What is your first impression on this story? When I broke this story, um, when I told you about it in the prep sheet, break down exactly what you see in this. So I did a little bit of research onto it. You know, just because I don't use, you know, the substance alone, I don't think it's that bad. You know, I wouldn't quite call it a terrible drug, you know, as some people say it. But, you know, you got to think about it as a world competition itself. You know, if they were running track in the U.S., you know, Olympic, non-Olympic trials, you know, she was just running, you know, it may be a little bit of leeway. But then now you're getting into the whole world. You know, it's the Olympics. Everyone's competing. So... Countries like, you know, Japan or, you know, China, all those people running in there, they may have different views completely on the whole cannabis structure inside of their own country. You know, we got to respect that. You know, I, I wrote down here to remind myself, you know, it's like saying, you know, if steroids were legal in Russia, you know, you'd have people shooting up roids all the time in Russia. Would you want them going to, you know, heavyweight or heavyweight lifting competitions versus the U.S. for Olympics when they're shooting up roids because it's completely legal there, but it's illegal for us to do it. No, it's that whole, like, you got to be relevant and you got to be aware of the situation you're getting yourself into. Three of the questions that, and I talked about this when I previewed this topic, the World Anti-Doping Agency has three different rules that have to be met, or two of three have to be met, in order for that substance to be on the banned list. Number one, it has to pose a health risk to the athlete. Number two, it could potentially help improve their performance. And number three, it doesn't coincide with the spirit of the sport. Now, I don't know if that is the exact wording, but according to WADA, marijuana usage matches two out of those three. Now, when I look at that list... Um, I only see one out of three, and that's to a minor extent, and that's the second one. It's the fact that it relaxes you um, in a lot of ways. Your pain tolerance goes up um, to a minor extent. I think it could help athletes. But when we look at the health risks of marijuana, 18 different states have legalized marijuana. So when we look at the potential health risks I think that's the one, I don't know about the whole spirit of the sport debate. I mean, really, I don't, that, that, that third one doesn't make any sense. I don't think that comes anywhere near to marijuana matching it. But the fact that 
we're talking about marijuana as being that detrimental to an athlete's health, maybe to a certain extent. But what do you see? Does does weed actually match two out of those three guidelines? Not really. It, it depends on the view. You know, some people could say it can. Some people can say that it doesn't. Do I see where people can come from and say that it could be harmful to the sport itself? I do. You know, uh, but you can like legally use it because the USADA, who works in with all of that, you know, they do allow you to app to apply for a therapeutic use. So you can have an application and get approved for therapeutic use of, you know, cannabis and THC and still perform at this level, you know, at the professional level without any, you know, setbacks or without any lashes on the wrist. The, the other thing that kind of amazes me is the reason why I think this is becoming such a big deal is when we look at professional leagues in America and we look at how they test for marijuana now versus how the Olympic Committee tests for marijuana. The two very different stories. In the NFL, you have one testing date and they've gotten rid of suspensions. In the NBA, they are no longer randomly testing and they have also gotten rid of suspensions. In the MLB, they will be taking marijuana off of their banned substance list and in several jobs across the country, they don't even test for weed anymore. Now, maybe part of that is because they're scared that if they did, they would no longer have any more employees. And I think that's a fair that's a fair fear. But when we look at just how right, exactly. Well, but when we look at just how far that American professional sports have come in the discussion around marijuana, why is it that the Olympic Committee hasn't changed? Their stance, and I know I understand when you said that we have to basic, we have to respect other cultures um, and the way that they view it. It just seems there isn't enough evidence to support. If we're going to say that there isn't enough evidence support, evidence to support that weed is good for you, we can also say that there isn't enough evidence to support that weed is that bad for you. And the only health risk that I see, Al, really, is that it makes you lazy. So if anything, I mean, we we both played high school sports, right? We know guys that were really, really on the weed at one point, and it's it made them lazy, and that's what really held those athletes back. I don't know if you can call Shikari Richardson lazy when she sets the world record in the hundred meter dash. That that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you know, it, it, the drug itself affects everybody, you know, differently. So it's not like it's a you know, one way, one way street saying, you know, you, you do this drug and, you know, this is the outcome that you're going to get from the drug, right? They, they have to set down a, a general basis of guidelines for everybody because one person, you know, could use it and not be lazy. You know, they could be, you know, excited, you know, energetic. And there's another guy who's, you know, like me who can use it and you won't see me do anything for 18 days straight after I use it because I just won't, won't function well with it. So there has to be that, you know, general guideline to say, you know, you can do it or you can't do it. And I think there is some validity to what you're saying. Listen, the fact of the matter is the rules are the rules, right? They interviewed, um, I don't know, I forget who it was. I think it was the Washington Post, but a reporter from the Post caught up with Joe Biden and asked him, what do you think of this decision? And in a good PR move, Joe Biden said, well, she knows the rules. Everybody knows the rules. You break the rules. You can't play. 
And I think to a certain extent, there is some validity to that statement. But also at the same time, I mean, LaMelo Ball said, if it ain't crack, let her run track. And uh, to a certain extent, I see that as being very true to a certain extent. But let me transition to this. This is the, the second segment, second thing I wanted to talk to you about. College athletes are now being allowed to be paid for their image and likeness. What I tweeted out earlier this week, I said, I'm excited to see athletes finally get the money that they're deserved. Consider the fact that Texas A&M football makes about $160 million every single year. When you factor out full-ride scholarships for an entire roster of college football players, or an entire depth chart, I should say, throughout those four years, in comparison to the amount of money that these universities generate on football, it equals out to be about a percentage or a fraction of a percentage of that money generated that's paid out in tuition. So the fact of the matter is there's so much more money on the table to be made by these college athletes but I think the fear of it creating a huge divide between the haves and the have-nots in college athletics is very real. And we are now creating a system to where being a character on social media and being marketable is almost more important than being good on the field necessarily. I don't know where that leads us. Your first opinions, your initial reaction to this ruling to allow college athletes now to be paid. I love it. I think it's a great... I think it's a great idea for the sport, for all sports, for all kids, because you're seeing now more, I mean, than ever, you know, the high school basketball players, you just completely skip going to college. I got Jalen Green right here pulled up. You look at a guy like Jalen Green, who just completely skipped college basketball and was playing against, you know, professional athletes inside the G League just because he needed to get paid. I mean, no kid who is 19 years old, you know, 18 years old, senior coming out of high school, wants to go to spend, you know, they say, I want to go to Duke. I'm not going to get a full ride at Duke. That's 34, you know, $25,000 a year to go to school there, just to go to school to go to the NBA one year later. It's not worth their time. I think it's a great idea to have these college kids get paid. Exactly. Not only that, but yeah, you have the kids that can get a degree. It doesn't create this culture to where so many different athletes, college athletes, make the decision to go back to college. And I think a lot of people sometimes, when they seem ready for the professional ranks and they decide to go back, a lot of people go, I don't know about all that. And the reason being is because if you go back and you end up suffering an injury or something, say your senior year, and all of a sudden your draft stock is down, you just have to go back to whatever neighborhood it is that you came from. And now you have to reinvent yourself and you didn't make any money doing it, though you generated all this money. Uh, One of the comments on that post that I put up earlier this week, someone said, this has been happening. Now it just happens in the open as opposed to happening behind closed doors. And I feel as if that's very true. However, I did want to touch on this next part. How do we feel about the fact that some athletes will simply be making more money because of their presence on social media and their marketability and having very little to do with actually being 
the better athlete because that's what we're seeing. In the professional ranks, in the NFL, in the MLB, whatever sport it is, you will be paid more money based on your performance. There are some very boring people in the NFL in terms of their social media presence, but they're they're ballers. Um, at the college level, one of the, one of the ex- rules that the NCAA put in place is that you can't pay players based on their performance. You can only pay them based on how marketable you think they are, I'm guessing from a social media perspective. So now you're putting these students in a position to where they almost have to force themselves to be more of a character on social media because if they're not, they're not going to get paid nearly as much. I mean, when you look at that side of it, how do you how do you view that angle? Because that, that gets really messy. Well, they can't pay them off of their performances, but to pay somebody on their social media presence is the same way as paying somebody on their, their performance. I mean, at this college level, if you're, you know, an outstanding college player, you look at Trevor Lawrence, I mean, the guy is an outstanding player, right? You just got drafted, you know, number one. He's He would have got paid for his social media presence and his social media presence is out of this world. He couldn't have posted anything on social media ever and he still would have got paid because he's Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, people want to follow him. People want to keep what's up with him. You know, you don't see, you know, these low-level guys at the D1 level. They're not going to get paid much, but they also don't have, you know, that high of a social media presence. It's the guys who are the outstanding athletes that do. So it's paying the people still on their performance. It's just a a white line way of saying it so that people don't get upset. So that, you know, you're a kid going into the college, you can't get upset about it because, you know, you're not performing well, so you're not going to get paid. They're just going to say it's your social media presence. I think one of the frustrating part for some people watching this story is the fact that the NCAA, in true NCAA fashion, didn't necessarily have a central structure or a plan when they released this. In a lot of ways, they're leaving it up to the universities to come up with certain policies. Um, The thing that also scares me a lot um, is the fact that you are now creating a situation where universities that have donors with more money and more access to resources will now inevitably have more you're basically setting the dogs loose in a lot of ways because you are letting the donors do exactly what they've been doing. Now it's legal and out in the open, but again, anytime you introduce money, money corrupts every single time. There will be some donor that will find a way to take this beyond that point. And the other thing is, how much financial education do these athletes actually have? Or are we doing the thing where we throw a ton of money at them after they get out of high school being broke and having nowhere to go and coming from rough communities, I mean, that in a lot of ways could be problematic. And I forget who said it. It was some philosopher, Greek philosopher, forget who said it. Nothing vast enters the life of mortals without a curse. I mean, we already have athletes signing buco buck contracts. I mean, Barstool Sports is already, I mean, volleyball, baseball, Football, they got athletes representing Barstool Sports already, and we're only a couple of days into this agreement being down on paper. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility to dump out a college kid right away. I mean, the way you view that, your thoughts on that. You know what excites me? I I thought about it while you were giving your hot take. The 
with the NIL, the paying the college kids, the way it opens up a level playing field for colleges now. So now, or like, you know, back in the day, you had people getting paid to go to schools, you know, like Duke, you know, Kentucky for basketball, you know, stuff like that. People, you know, always want to go to Alabama, right? When you give the op- the ample and same opportunity for a kid and pay him the same so nothing changes for him, just the name of the school he's going to, I think it opens up for kids to not go to those big schools every single time now. You won't, I think it opens up the idea, you know, the thought that maybe I don't want to go to Alabama because it's all the way down there. These people want to pay me more money and it's right down the street or, you know, a state over from my house. Very well said. And here's, here's the word that I think you're going for, parity. Now, parity means exactly what we're kind of seeing in the NBA this year. We don't know who's going to win. I mean, if you would have told me that the Bucks and the Suns would have been going to the NBA Finals, I would have told you you were high. I, I don't know what you were high on. I don't know what your drug of choice is, but you were high on something. This year... And with this ruling, and that's that's a really solid point, Al. I didn't even think about that. You can still make that money from your endorsement, even if you transfer schools. So I can still I can go play at Central Michigan University. I don't have to play at Oregon, and I'll still make that sponsorship money because my presence is still felt, and I'm still equally as marketable. And that's the one thing that college sports need. Al, if I told you, if I were to ask you right now, okay, who's going to win the college football national championship next year? Uh, how many possibilities are on the top of your mind right now? Just just spit out a number. Three or four. Three or four. And that's pretty much a guarantee that we have hundreds of college. That I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> we have hundreds of college football teams, and there are three or four that are guaranteed to win a championship. And we even have a playoff now, and that doesn't satisfy people. Um, In basketball, okay, yes, March Madness, we have upsets. It happens every year. It's crazy. It's wonky. Listen, number ones dominate the tournament. They do. It's, It's the reality of the situation. They still dominate the tournament. Now, in other sports, it's not as not as much of a foregone conclusion, baseball, so on and so forth. But I know in football, at least, at the very least, you are so right because this ruling will finally maybe create a little parity and a little confusion. Maybe we'll have to expand the playoffs because there won't be as many undefeated te- or uh, such few undefeated teams at the top that we know are the most dominant. I think that's a solid point, and, and I'm really happy. The other thing that I'm happy about is just the fact that now we can take this and kind of shove it in the face of all those old-school, traditional-thinking um you know, that they have a full-ride scholarship. They should be happy with that, those people, because this really is a job at the end of the day, what these kids are doing. And they're there. I mean, imagine putting your your body and your mind at that much risk to generate that much money, only not to see any of it land in your pocket, other than the 40-some-odd-thousand-dollar full-ride scholarship. But, hey, you know what? That's only a fraction of a percentage of a percentage of a percentage of the overall money that the school is generating. And I, I, think it's, I think it's really cool. But again, I'm saying there could be some really big drawbacks. You know, I, I, had, you know, I was going to talk to two people that I know personally about this. 
not going to give you their names yet, but you know, one of them is a, you know, one of those goes to one of those four schools that have a chance to win the Natty. Another one's you know a lower you know D three D two type player just to get their separate opinions on how it changes you know for them, like how does it affect you at the lower level you know the D three kids the D two kids how will it affect you compared to the you know I'm going to go play at Alabama kids, <laughs> but you know I'll have to get those I'll have to relay those back to you because I haven't gotten a response yet back from them. Well, and we've heard discussions about that already. And, you know, the fact of the matter is it will come down to, and maybe I guess you could consider this another hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's just the reality of our situation today. It will come down to your social media presence. It will come down to do people know you when you arrive? Not always necessarily the best athlete at a school. Because I know a lot of talented athletes who are just not very talented self-marketers, if you know what I mean. Um, but it will come down to that. And listen, I mean, I've, I've seen on social media, I've seen Division three volleyball players that just so happen to have a really popular TikTok that could get paid a lot of money. Um, I've seen some Division one or Division two football players, low-end Division one football players that have big TikTok accounts or big Instagram accounts, you will get paid. Um, And simply because you have that many followers, all of this comes down to social media, which again, it's cool, it's awesome, but I don't need to remind you what the dangers of social media are. And now that we're introducing money into the equation, that's um, Sports, Sports Illustrated described this whole situation as a I'm just going to say it. Maybe I'll bleep it out of the podcast later. But if anybody is listening, I'm sorry for the language, but they called it a clusterfuck. And that, I think, is the perfect way of describing this. Great opportunity, still a lot of unknowns. And I think the fact that social media now is the focal point for these athletes when it comes to how much money they'll make, I think that can be dangerous, especially for the psyche of these college athletes. Yeah, I agree with you because the kids – that are you know the the all star players that don't that don't have that social media presence and are you know not getting approached to have the opportunity to make that money, you know they're going to think what's wrong with them, and it it will create a gap between the haves and the have nots. But you know we'll 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 have to see exactly how this plays out. Like I said, I'm happy, good for these athletes. They they deserve the best. Um, but as soon as you introduce money into anything, man, you know what happens. But Al, man, thanks for thanks so much for joining us here on Season 2, Episode 1 of the Hanging with Wayne podcast. I'm sure we'll have you back for the Sports Hour again. One hour every Tuesday, every week. We talk about some of the top sports stories from around the sports world. Uh, and sports are back, too. Thank God, because I was so sick and tired of talking politics at the end of Season 1. We finally have something else to talk about. So, Al, thanks for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show. Uh, take it easy. Well, we're going to call ourselves the big sports guys for now, but you know, if you have any ideas on maybe a better nickname for yourself at some point here down the line, you let me know. All right, I'll let you know, but I don't know, man. The the big sports guys, it's it's iconic. All right, it's it's something it you don't mess with. It's it's something iconic. All right, we're the big sports guys. The big sports guys. That is Al right here on the Hang with Wake Podcast.